HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to a special episode of All in the Industry on the Road with host Shari Bayer reporting live from Sobe Wine and Food Festival, which took place from February 19th to the 22nd in South Beach, Florida. First, Shari reports from the Italian Alfresco Feast on the beach, hosted by Debbie Mazar and Gabrielle Corcos. She talks with a few of the participating chefs and personalities about what they're cooking and where they are looking forward to dining in Miami. So without further ado, here is the All in the Industry live from Sobe Festival segment. Hi, this is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network, reporting from South Beach Food and Wine Festival 2015 in a special segment called All in the Industry on the Road. Stay tuned. We're here at the Alfresco event. I'm here with Chris Jackal of Alonda. So tell me, what did you prepare today? What, did, what am I, this deliciousness I'm having? So you're having one of the pastas that's on the menu from the beginning, which is our take on, with a Calabrian chili base, Bomba de Calabrese, which is caramelized onions and mushrooms and tomatoes with citrus and chilies. In our case, we use use Kosho instead of Calabrian chili, so it's our sort of twist on this traditionally Calabrian Italian tomato-based pasta. Wonderful. Okay, so since my show's about behind the scenes stuff, I want to know like how is it how do you get your food down here and and what how many people from your team are here with you helping you prepare and how much do you have to prepare? You can answer any of that. I'll, I'll answer all of it. That's easy. So two of my team members are with me. Um, and we prepared virtually everything in the restaurant. So what we did was we were fortunate enough to have a HASA program. So what we did was we vacuum packaged all of the food. We froze it. 
put it in styrofoam containers and overnighted it down on Monday. So we came here and it was just very basic stuff like juicing lemons, cutting herbs, the stuff, the little sort of stuff, and like collecting, you know, proteins. We got our crab meat here. We get our, you know, that sort of stuff. So we just sort of gather it and then prep the day up for a few hours and, and that's really it. Terrific. Okay, one more question. Where where are you looking forward to going to in Miami? Any restaurants? I'm, I'm very curious about Pub Belly and I'm, I'm hoping I can make time to get there. Pub Belly is awesome. I haven't been, so it's it's like sort of. I've been hearing for a lot of people, it's somewhere that I would find in in interesting and potentially inspiring, based on sort of the blending of cuisine. So I'm very curious, but my schedule is very very intense. So we'll see. Thank you. Okay, so hi, I'm here with. Daniel Holzman. What are you preparing here? We're preparing spicy pork meatballs with spicy meat sauce over polenta with grated grana panana cheese. Is this something at the restaurant or something just for South Beach? This is something that we serve at the restaurant. It's one of my favorite combinations. Where's the after party? The after party tonight is at the Thompson Hotel with Dale Talde, who's making some serious chicken wings. Good to know. Last question. Where are you looking forward to eating in Miami? Uh, I think I'm going to Cuban food on 7th and Collins. Oh, that's uh, La Porta Saga? As a matter of fact, it is. Well done. So I'm here with Carla Pellegrino. Am I saying your name right? No, no, you're doing great. Carla Pellegrino. (laughs) So what what neighborhood is your restaurant and what's the name of the restaurant? The name of the restaurant is Touche. It's Touche Rooftop. It, this is 11th Street downtown, downtown Miami. You know what's you know it's, it's the big upcoming Miami right now. The area is blooming. Now, what dish did you do tonight at this El Fresco event? Oh, I did a, a very classic Ligurian uh, dish. It is an octopus salad. So the octopus is just very well steamed, tender, nice, and I served it with a Yukon boiled potatoes and a fava beans with a little bit of a fresh pesto genovese. And I, it's like it's a lukewarm. So for the night today, it goes perfect. Wonderful. Last question. So you're in Miami. What restaurant have you? Are you most excited about other than yours? I am a big fan of a Japanese. So of course, I, I every time that I have it's which not much, but every time I have free, usually I go between Katsuya and Estiatorio Milos because it has to be one of my best places to eat anywhere I go, New York, Vegas and Miami. So, you know, I have been in the same, in all those cities, so I keep going there. And uh, what else? Uh, Mionet. Mionet is very, is very good, especially for lunch. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was nice to see you. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm here with Josh Beckerman, a.k.a. Foodie Magician. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Tad cold, but doing great and always magical. Can you do any tricks that will translate to radio? No. (laughs) That's what I thought. So we just came from the Alfresco, and it was Fresco, pasta event. Um, What was your favorite dish? My favorite dish was the Cavatelli dish with... Um, braised oxtail and chicken liver from Dominica Restaurant in New Orleans. I thought it was outstanding. I had that as well. It was very tasty. Any final thoughts coming here from South Beach, Mr. Beckerman? Um, 
I just hope it warms up, to be honest. But I'm sure it's going to be a truly magical weekend. program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Welcome back. That in the first segment was Sherry Bear reporting from the Sobe Wine and Food Festival's Alfresco Feast on the Beach. Special thanks to Chris Jackal of Alanda, Daniel Holzman of the Meatball Shop, Carla Pellegrino of Touche Restaurant and Rooftop Lounge, and Josh Beckerman, a.k.a. The Foodie Magician. In the second part of this special All in the Industry on the Road episode for Heritage Radio Network, Shari sat down with her favorite meat man, Pat LaFrida, to talk about judging Meatopia, how he initially became involved with Burger Bash, his meat book, and upcoming Food Network TV show. Check it out. I'm here with Pat LaFrida, my favorite meat guy. Possibly one of my favorite guys. My favorite guy in the industry, I would say. And I'm your only meat guy. My only favorite meat guy, Pat LaFrida. And he just has been judging Meatopia. So tell me, what's what's that like? What, what was the process? First off, I think it's amazing how few people know what Meatopia is and how it got started. The idea that it was Josh Ozersky's birthday party every year and that he would have his favorite chefs come and barbecue like on those odd beaches on Queens like that's what that's where Metopia started that's how we met that's how we met yeah do you remember or that's how you met Josh I met you at the at a Metopia when it was only industry right it must have been six five six years ago yeah maybe even longer yeah maybe so Josh tried running this event, um, and he did it successfully, but you, you soon start to see what economies of scale can bring to an event. So for Josh to do this with Lee Schrager for South Beach Food and Wine, and this is 2015, Meetopia in South Beach, I think that it makes a lot, a lot of sense because they're able to save on that one tenth that they'll use for other events and and a lot of the same equipment because the, you know this is a very expensive prospect and they still have to sell hundreds of tickets at a couple hundred dollars each to really like break even and get money to the nonprofit but judging it that they asking me to judge it is great and it was it was a little different from the past because in the past when the dishes were brought out to the judges it, it said the name of the chef on there, and I said, "What? Well, that's you can't do that. Oh, really? Yeah, it should it be should blind, be yeah. right? So we don't know whose product we're eating." Um, but there's one thing, Sherry, about being a, a food judge is you really have to know how to pace yourself. 
<laughs> so there were a lot of things that I took a bite out of and spit it back out, not because I didn't like it, just because I got, I got the idea of the flavor, and now I need to move on to the other 20-some-odd contestants. Right. Because in order to eat that much food, I mean, you have to pace yourself. So what were the criteria? Because I, I spotted you there, and you were circling. I mean, do you circle numbers? Right. So the, the, the rating system for, for this was simple. It was one through five in three different categories. One was originality, one was flavor, and one was presentation. So it's very easy right away to do the presentation, right? Um, and it's just by looking at the dishes, you could tell right away what has originality. And then you really need to take that bite to, to see if the flavor is there. You know? And a, a couple of the judges looked back at me and they said, Pat, does this person know it's a competition today? It was almost as if they didn't try. And then uh, at the polar opposite, there were some amazing dishes tonight, like the oxtail. The oxtail was amazing, and PJ Kalapa, uh, PJ, uh, imagine PJ Kalapa for Metopia for a barbecue event, actually boiled water outside on charcoal and made a short rib ravioli, which was to die for. Now, he tied with the oxtail. PJ, PJ Kalapa tied with the oxtail dish, and... They came, the committee came back to the judges and said, okay, we have a tie here. It's 40 points and 40 points. Um, what do we do? I'm like, we have three judges here. Let's three vote again. And then we, we voted PJ, two out of three. So, Who, Whose ox, oxtail was it? That's look, a good question. I can, I can look out. Oh, you don't yeah. know. No. But you knew it was PJ's. No, I knew that the pasta was PJ's. Oh, because. because who else would cook pasta out there? Yeah. Um, and I had heard him the night before talking about how logistically hard it was going to be. So I wasn't expecting much out of that. You, you know, it, it's, it's strange, but I didn't know that that was his. But it didn't matter. Nobody, the other two judges didn't know, and they, they scored it of their highest also. So, Who were the other two judges? Uh, we had Mark Rosati, who is the highest for at Shake Shack for food quality control and and new uh, menu items and Chef Paul Denemiel of Le Rivage. Okay. Um, anything else about Metopia? Because then I want to ask you about a little about Miami. I was proud about Metopia tonight because I was one of several friends of Josh's that convinced him that he cannot run this by himself. He needs the infrastructure like Lee has. And although at first it sounded like a far-fetched idea, because Metopia is a grassroots event, Josh selects the, the chefs, and, 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 and doing that, it, it, you don't get that corporate feel that you may even get now from Burger Bash, right? It's still little grassroots. Um, I was pleasantly surprised to see the turnout because... I think they were aiming to sell 3,000 3, tickets. It looked like they had about 3,000 people there. So for Metopia to have failed at the last year, Josh did it really because of the weather. Um, and to see it do so well here, it uh, did really well in Texas. Um, it did very well in New York. So 
Josh's tradition of his birthday has uh, lived on. Yeah, because this was the first time in South Beach for Metopia. Or did they do it last year? No. Uh, the first Metopia that um, the the uh, New York Wine and Food did was this past October. In and this New is York. in New York. And the f- this is the first one in South Beach. Okay. Yeah, I'm very happy for Josh. Now, where are you looking forward to eating in Miami? Uh, where am I looking? I should s- you should ask me where have you eaten that was delicious because I I had my two big meals already. Let me refrain. Let me change my question. Where have you eaten recently, or where have you eaten on your trip to Miami? My first dinner here was at Prime One Twelve. It was unbelievable. What was more unbelievable was that there were twenty or thirty people that had reservations for weeks that still looked like they were waiting for over an hour and a half. I mean, that is one busy restaurant, and rightfully so. I mean, I supply the mistakes, yes, but they execute it in a way that's perfect. Um, And then last night, I ate at Christopher Lee's restaurant, The Forge, and it was phenomenal. Um, Meat-centric also. Uh, We had a good division of foods between um, sides and fishes but I mean the meat was unreal I mean Christopher Lee is um, I, I've been a fan of his for over a decade from back in guilt in New York City so to see him f- down here in South Beach flourishing at the Forge it's amazing yeah I ate at the Forge last time I was down in Miami and I thought it was incredible I'm a big fan of his and believe it or not having grown up in Miami I've never eaten that Prime 112, even though I really should. Uh, but, should. And I think, I could be wrong, but I think it's one of the highest grossing restaurants in the United States. I would believe that. I have. I mean, the only data I have to go off of is what I see. And there's never been a night that it's not packed. And that's Miles. Miles micromanages that restaurant in a, ver- in a very positive way. Um, he seems to get... All the athletes that eat there and celebs and and the people follow right after. And then to go through all that and have this beautiful steakhouse scene to then deliver an amazing steak, like you're hitting on all points there. And Miles has gotten me more business in Miami than I could ever have because everyone wants to know where he gets his steaks. And Miles tells them. as When did you start supplying him? Um, I've been supplying Miles for two years now. So we met fairly recently. He was very unhappy with the quality of meat he was getting. Um, as it is difficult in Florida, a lot has to do with corporate pricing and really more attention on, on the cost than it does quality. So you need a guy like Miles who knows the difference between high choice and prime and what's dry aged and what's not. I mean, that's that's how he hits on the food end is that he's very hands-on with the food. If there's an issue, he'll take a, a photo with his cell phone and text it to me at night during production. And I get to show my entire team you know, what Miles likes and what he doesn't like, you know, especially if we switch items and right. where he changes menu items. So, I, I didn't know that was your account. Now I really have to go. Really <laughs> what other Miami accounts do you have? 
are you starting? We sell the Fountain Blue. We sell Andrew Carmelini. We sell Josh Capon uh, at Lure. So, yeah, we have a, a real good base. And we sell to um, a good family friend, someone who's bought meat from us um, since before I joined the company with my dad, is a great gentleman named Gino Mashi. He owned with his brother the original Il Molino on West 3rd and was Zagat's number one Italian restaurant for over 20 years. Retired to come down to Miami to open a restaurant, Il Gabbiano, which is now rated the number one restaurant in Florida. So um, it's pretty amazing to see uh, what those guys have done. Terrific. Uh, Where's the after party? After parties. (laughs) You know, it's funny. That's, That's the great thing about these events is that you need passes to get into the events, and then you don't need any passes for the after parties. And the after parties, you need friends. Okay. You can drop anyone's name down here. I'm with Lee. I'm with Lee Schrager. I say I'm with Pat. <laughs> use, that, use that as much as you can. But um, tonight, there's an after party at the Cosmo. There's one at the Breakers that Scott Feldman throws for 212. Great guy. Um and there's always little pop-ups. I, I hear that the Nomad secretly has a pop-up tonight after party, which is really cool. Um, invite only. Uh, I don't think I made the cut for that, but I think Why? if I wanted to get in, I could probably make a few phone calls. But no, when they do small pop-ups like that, um, that's something I don't do. I, they only have, they have limited space. I know they're, they're trying to pull off the impossible get product from new york bring it here cook it on the fly deliver um and and control the crowd so uh but it's amazing it shows what those guys can do hi we're talking here with pat lafrida we just finished meetopia and now we're talking a little about burger bash so pat how did you get involved with burger bash initially initially burger bash was was not something that I ever envisioned sponsoring because it's very expensive. Uh, I think we could pay up to $120,000 and it's great branding, but at the same time, it's a lot of money, especially for a small company to put out for one event, right? Of an entire weekend of events. So it's not the only event that we sponsor. But at the time, uh, five years, uh, six years ago, sorry, we did not sponsor Burger Bash. We really didn't even know much about it. We didn't know much about the Food and Wine Festival. So in New York City, um, as as like the burger craze was happening, I developed and produced burger blends for specific restaurants. And if they wanted to do an event somewhere even in the, in the Bahamas, I'd pack it up and ship it there. So in New York, when the New York burger event was coming up, the, uh, there was a company that no longer exists. It was Allen Brothers, a very well-known company. They don't exist? Well, they, they were purchased by Chef's Warehouse. So it's under that one, it's under the one um, umbrella now. And Todd Hadoff was a very nice guy. His dad passed away uh, the same year. So it was a rough year for them. But prior to that... They were they were the guys with the money. They they were sponsoring this because they have a um, a consumer um, 
business where you go online and order burgers and steaks from them, and that's something that they wanted to grow. It's a great business for a meat purveyor because what we do is supply restaurants with meat, and it's always on credit. So whereas we have to pay farmers in seven days, we get paid in 14, 21, 30, 45, you know. So the fact that, that, that when you sell to a consumer, you're charging their credit card in real time. It's the only meat that leaves the building that gets paid for before it leaves. So it's a great business, right? Well, for this one particular burger bash, this was going to be the biggest burger bash in New York. Many restaurants approached us and said, hey, Pat, we need our blend, I was like, well, tell me more about the event. And as it was explained to me, they could either use the meat that was donated by the sponsor and or they could get their own burger blends, but they were not able to participate in the competition. And a lot of restaurateurs and a lot of chefs said, you know, we'd rather not be in that one competition because there are, are several for the Burger Bash. We'd, we'll, we'll take ourselves out of that and we'll just be part of the popular because we don't want to tarnish our brand. And frozen beef from Chicago at the time as opposed to fresh chopped beef and burgers that we make is a night and day difference. So the sponsor, Todd, um, I should say Allen Brothers as a whole, started to hear a lot of feedback from the chefs that were participating that they're not using Allen Brothers meat. So if there were 25 chefs, I think he had like seven that were competing. The rest of the chefs there, I was supplying them with meat. Um, So it was clearly told to me by New York Wine and Food that I was not to attend the event because the sponsor felt that it was a conflict and I was offended by that because I never saw them as competitors. They were, you know, they had a great reputation for meat in Chicago and did home delivery, you know, like Omaha Steaks. And I'm not in that business. I'm a restaurant supplier. So I was telling a good friend of mine who worked at ABC at the time the story. And she told me, Pat, why don't you come with me and my camera team because we're we're shooting um, the event and we're going to be following Rachel Ray the host around so I said well what are you going to put on my badge and she said we'll put director of photography so um, as a spoof I was like alright I'll go You know, this will be funny so I walk into the event the head of security took me to Rachel Ray's tent and asked me how the lighting was and uh, called in their key grip and he was moving the lights around. I was just kind of like playing along. I had no idea what he was talking about. Rachel Ray comes in, gives me a big hug because we're friends for a long time. Doesn't realize that my badge says director of photography. And the head of security took me all around the facility, which was at the tobacco warehouse at the time, to, to show me around. And thinking that I am just the director of photography for ABC. So... Long story short, that entire night, chefs took photos with me and, you know, social media started going out. And the person who did PR for, for the event at the time, who now I'm good friends with, was, was Robin. Um, she called me the next day and she was livid. 
And she said, how dare you act like the director of photography? Everyone knows you're Pat Lafreda, which is not true. I mean, we were still growing our brand. Um, like, your picture is everywhere, and the sponsor's pictures are nowhere. Like, there's no PR for them, and she was in charge of their PR. Well, they pulled out because of it, and I apologized. I, it, I didn't really mean to hurt Allen Brothers. I do like those guys, and um, I took over. So I've been, I've been sponsoring the Burger Bash in New York ever since. Fascinating. Yes. Did not know that story. Remember going to the Burger Bash um, at, say it again, the, um, the tobacco, the tobacco in yeah, in Dumbo. So this had to have been like 2000, like how many years ago? I don't know. Like It was probably 2009, 2010. Wow. Well, now, not, so when, as the sponsor then, still people have the choice of whether to use your meat or not. And if they don't, if as a sponsor, then they're not eligible for the judges or both? Um, uh, they're not eligible for the judges. So to me, the judges vote really, to me, it, it means the most because those are experienced chefs, mostly celebrity chefs. And again, at first it was not anonymous, so it used to say the name of the restaurant. I made them take that off. So when we broke it down so that not every judge had to eat every burger, we tiered it. So one group of judges ate a certain amount, the other group ate the other half, and then it went to like another level where then everyone tasted the last few because it's too much to eat. At the end, it's not fair to the people at the end because... The judges are full by then. So that's how I learned how to pace myself during these events, uh, by watching uh, the Ann Burrells and Andrew Zimmerns of the world. It's hard how they do it. So um, we were saying. Okay, so. Oh, wait, the, the judging. So. Oh, the judging, well, not, right. not using your meat or not. Right. So. I mean, rightfully so, as a sponsor, if, if, if a sponsor is going to spend a lot of money to sponsor an event, it's so that person could showcase their product. If the restaurant that's participating, in this case, let's say it's a burger restaurant, if they want to use their own blend from their own butcher, and if they were to win, this, the sponsor really didn't get his money's he or she's money's worth right so that's the rule you could use your own product or you could use what's donated and everyone's on the same playing field it's one blend um and everyone has to use that if you want to participate so at that point the chef really has to hustle the chef has to make sure that everything is perfect because everyone's got the same meat that's participating against the judges and the judges are rough and usually Simple wins. Josh Capon, okay. He puts a bacon jam on top, which is basically diced sweet bacon. Um, but that's the extent of it. It's a very, a very simple burger. He won again yesterday. Guy's amazing. Um, Josh Capon's first win was the first year that I sponsored it in New York. And 
one night he called me over to his restaurant at Lure. We were in the basement at like 1 a.m. in the morning, and we were flipping burgers, and we, he couldn't figure out um, the logistics of how some of it should work. We, we stayed there all night till we got it down, and um, he won that Burger Bash. So that was a Wednesday night, and then Burger Bash was Friday, and he won, which was amazing. And he's won ever since. So guy's amazing. Well, he, he's won one of the either the judges or the popular. Yeah, See, that, that's where it gets tricky. Like six times, uh, right? I think I think New York was New York was like his fifth. Um, I mean, it's hard. Look at look at guys like Michael Simon. He's a master. He still has thirty other chefs to compete against, right? I mean, it's hard. It's very hard. Um, yeah. Let me ask you when. When did you start working with the Dutch and Carmelini? Oh, I worked with Carmelini um, before the Dutch, and then La Conde Verde before that. La Conde Verde was open before the Dutch was. No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember a conversation I had with Josh Pickard. I think it was years Josh ago. Josh Picard. Picard. Yes, he's here. But years ago, were they using your meat? Um. They may not have been, but when Andrew was at Avoce, correct? Yeah. Um, one night, two of his younger chefs, one being Rich Terizzi, huh. walked in to La Frida, and as you know, I'm open all night. Yeah. They got done with work, and I forget another. I think Mario Carbone brought him in to stop in and see what we were doing and what we had available, and he took a liking to what we do and that he was surprised that you know in the middle of the night we were open and we were cutting meat for for restaurants that were, were going to get their delivery the next morning not that it was just coming off a shelf and pre-cut so um, he brought that back to Carmelini and Carmelini moved on and became a monster in the restaurant space and has been a very very loyal friend and customer ever since so let me ask you this, because you sponsored the event for, let's say, I don't know, you'll tell me, five, let's say five-ish years. Now, this year, you're not the sponsor of the in, Bash. In South Beach. In South Beach, but you were the sponsor in, in New NYC. York. Yes. Okay. New York, New York City makes sense to us because it's, it's our territory. It's nice to come down here and to sponsor an event, but as a company, we have to start to weigh out what these things give us in return and we weren't seeing much of a return although uh, we're very known for our burgers it only represents 15% of our business so dry aged portion steaks poultry pork lamb veal I mean we carry everything in meat so to come to South Beach and spend uh, you know over a hundred thousand dollars and kind of get pigeonholed into you're the hamburger guy. It's not really the message we wanted. And to be honest, I, I think to supply a restaurant in Florida with with uh, a burger restaurant, that is, I think you need a local supplier that makes burgers every day. And I'm very honest about that. Now, when it comes to dry-aged steaks, we do a great job in dry-aging and vacuuming and sending them down here and... They're good for probably 60 days. We say 30 in, in, in a vacuum. We have some great burgers down here also, like at Lure. 
and those are vacuum packed also they're good for 30 days but we're not making them until the night the truck ships so he's getting burgers you know uh that have been vacuumed a day and a half prior to him serving them so we we stick to that like but when it comes to meat even for our home delivery we don't serve anything that's frozen everything that we have it's a little expensive because it's next day air but it's fresh meat that we've just cut dry iced and shipped so how's the book doing the book is doing great um so meat everything there is to know launched this past uh actually late 2014 and it has been so well received and it's become the um the field guide to a lot of other huge corporations like u.s foods u.s foods distributes our product throughout the country nationally and they have given the book thousands of them to their field reps to use them as a field guide because prior to that there really was no articulate way to show every cut of meat like we did in in the book so um we had probably a dozen book offers in the last decade atria slash simon schuster were was the first company that when i gave them my vision they said we love that idea pat let's do it um so i mean writing a book is challenging (laughs) it's hard there's really no financial reward because it's cost a lot of money to print them and stock them and distribute them but it's a part of that Lafrida legacy in our third generation here we are as uh, quote unquote authors now um, but to have an impact in, in our industry you know, it's, it just makes us proud that we were able to, to do something like that yeah, well, the book is beautiful it's on my coffee table <laughs> so maybe a coffee table book is now a, a meat table book but um, tell us tell us the truth. It's probably like a um, a doorstop or something. No, it's on my coffee table. The truth is, I have not cooked from it. That is the truth, because I'm single girl who dines out a lot. Um, but I love the book. It's beautiful. I mean, you're so you're an author. You're a TV star. You're you've been a sponsor. Uh, you, I mean, you do so many things. So I'm wondering what's next. <laughs> well, what's next? We have. I just filmed the show with Food Network um, called Food Fortunes. It's like um, an investment type show where entrepreneurs bring their food concepts to a panel of us investors and we rate them over the coals and we try to do as best of an audit of their company that we, we can. And then at the end we decide whether or not we're gonna take them on to the negotiation table and if we do, we negotiate for either equity in exchange for cash or, in, in my cases, it was you know, money to be spent on franchise lawyers, not just here's a check and we'll see you around. Um, so I, I think that, and we also have a consumer live audience. So as the food concepts get get introduced to us we get to ask the, com- the consumer audience okay did you like this product would you spend more money for it 
and they have nothing to gain by other than to tell the truth. So we we use their numbers in most cases as to how we're going to uh, invest in something. Um, and it's been an interest, in, interesting show. And I think that I, I was speaking to Andrew Schechter earlier today, and he's excited about the show, just not sure about the demographic. I mean, who's, who's Andrew Schechter? Andrew Schechter is, is an executive producer at Food Network. Okay. Um, and heads a lot of the programming. You know, typically this is not a show for Food Network. Um, this is a business type show that deals with food. Uh, my prediction is that it's going to be amazing because, uh, you know, even in the episodes that I'm not in, there are eight episodes I'm in two uh, for the first season because um, we were kind of testing and rotating investors in and out. E- e- even episodes that I was not in but I was on set watching, I thought were fascinating compared to the programming that's on there now. Now, am I the average Food Network viewer? Probably not, right? So... But I think that it's so different and so cool, and I think it's really going to be big for Food Network. So, um, like, holding off any kind of scheduling, because I think that if there was a season two, they would probably start filming it um, in April. When's it going to air? It starts the beginning of March, and it... It's on Monday nights at 10 p.m. starting the first Monday in March until the first eight episodes are done. And I think probably after the first four, they'll have a good parameter as parameter as to um, or a good benchmark to go off of as to whether or not it was you know it's successful. And then they'll start filming right away because it's it's a beautiful set. The Production company is called Three Ball. They're amazing. Formerly iWorks, um, they were so great to work with, and they they have vision, and it's something very different. I think it's something Food Network needs. It sounds great. I mean, it reminds me a little of the restaurant startup on yeah. CNBC. I mean, it's it doesn't sound. I mean, a little similarity in that. I don't know how well that's doing, but I know it's a kind of a spinoff of Shark Tank, which is on now yes. all the time because it's become so popular and I get I get excited about that type of programming sure. I think we need more of that so. yeah no I think Shark Tank is an amazing show um, Food Fortunes is very different from restaurant startup uh, Joe Bastianich and Tim Love I was with Tim Love we played volleyball earlier today um, he's a good friend and so is Joe Bastianich I go back with him many many years but um, that solely has to do with two restaurants competing to see who can prove themselves to one of the other and right. then and then invest in that restaurant. Uh, food Fortunes is more about food concepts. Everything from an improvement to the K-Cup for the Keurig machine for coffee to um, spicy ice cream. You know, it, it's really about food products. So I think uh, very different. Um, in, in many different ways. So they're, they're, no one is pitching restaurants on, on our show. I mean, they're, they're pitching okay. food ideas. Uh, although yeah. although I, I can say that. I, I did invest in a restaurant called Zia Valentina, which is a granita store based out of L.A. that does very well, and they want to franchise and, and um, expand through the country. And I thought that, you know, I believed in the two women that, 
um, started it and run it, and I'm going to help them franchise. I knew you had more things going on. (laughs) That's exciting. It is exciting. It is. I really hope it does well because, I mean, that's something I would watch on Food Network. Yeah, well, it... I don't know if you saw, you must have seen this news how Tom Colicchio is going to be the food correspondent on CNBC or MSNBC with, I think it's um, Co- Joe, Coffee, Coffee Joe, Joe in the morning. Joe oh, in yes. The morning. Yes. It was announced about a week ago. And I have to say, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Tom's and I think his success is unbelievable. But I was more excited to see that news that I thought that was really cool. All of a sudden, they're doing they created this position of a food correspondent. I was more excited about that than than him coming out with another reality show because I just think that's it's interesting and I wonder right but, where that's so going to spin off to. As a food correspondent, what is he going to be doing? Talking about food and I think some like kind of the politics of food or numbers. I um just I think the stuff that you no know, maybe isn't talked about you know yeah no i i think i think he's probably chasing uh when i heard this uh i think he's chasing the one man that's been truly successful and is the highest rated uh which is anthony bourdain on cnn there is no higher rated show at that time than anthony traveling the world talking about politics and food and uh it's it's really interesting so Um, I think that, that that crossover is there. To me, Tom's a little dry. Anthony's colorful. Um, so, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out too. I, I think, and everyone, everyone loves Anthony Bourdain. They want to Love be exactly. Tony Bourdain. They want to. I, mean, I don't know if everyone wants to be Tom Colicchio, but they want to be Anthony Bourdain. No, but. He is. I think he's really highly respected, and out of the chef, like a chef right now, an Amer- an American chef, I, I I think he's the most popular. Yes, that still has restaurants. I don't know how much he cooks, but he's still. I mean, Tony Bourdain had was a chef with restaurants, but he's now, uh, you know, a TV. Uh, Superstar. <laughs> when when I had my TV show Meat Men, I had the same producers 0.0 that do Anthony Bourdain's show for CNN, right. and they're a great group, sharp sharp producers, and um, you know the idea to take Anthony's show to CNN is just huge. It's huge, and it's done wonders. But my only frustration with the show is that I have XM Sirius Radio, so often. He's in a country talking about food, and I'm getting hungry in my car listening to it, but I can't see it. You know, so now I have to go back and, and wait for it to come back on again and hope that I DVR'd it. But, you know, that's how great the show is. No, it is great. Because even I've seen, I don't a recent one where he, he went to L.A., and he just puts a whole, like a lot of the places he was talking about it went to, I knew about or maybe I'd been to, but he puts this whole fresh approach to it that just made me want to go right back to Los Angeles. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. That's it. It's almost over. It's Saturday night. Sobe. That's it. After parties, flight home tomorrow, which I hear that there's a lot of snow and there may be a lot of flights canceled. I'm staying till Tuesday. 
You're lucky, lucky. I, I came a day early, visited my grandmother on Wednesday, uh, and then drove to South Beach from West Palm, and I, I don't want to leave. Yeah. Well, you have accounts here. You can turn it into, it's a work excuse. Yeah, I don't know how far that would go with my dad or my cousin, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are certainly plenty of, of uh, good customers down here for me to visit. Um, and I've pretty much visited all of them while I was here. I mean, that's really how I spent my days. Okay. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. It was a pleasure as always, Sherry. Again, this was a great Metopia 2015 South Beach. All right. So this is, this is Sherry Thayer and Pat LaFrida signing off from South Beach Food and Wine Festival 2015. All in the industry, on the road. Thank you so much, Pat. My pleasure. Great to be on again. All right. Thanks so much to Pat LaFrida for giving us this exclusive interview from the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Sherry notes that she has since dined at Prime 112 and had a phenomenal meal. And the 212 after party was actually at Brooklyn Shaker, not the Breakers. So this has been a special episode of All in the Industry on the Road by Sherry Bayer for Heritage Radio Network. I've been Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. But there ain't no reason to worry.